Hello and welcome to another Imagining Freedom podcast which is focused on our rights and freedoms. I had to pay an emergency visit to the local hospital last week after an insect bite I'd got a few days before had started to swell up badly and there was concern that it might be infected. Hats off to the NHS staff. They were brilliant. I was seen very promptly and the appointment only took a few minutes. They didn't even ask me to wear a mask and I would have done if there had been very sick or elderly people around. But there were actually no patients at all in the department that I was in. It was all very relaxed and efficient. I don't behave as a rebel because I want to upset people. I rebel against unjust rules. I actually wore a mask before masks were mandated. I chose to do so when I was helping with a local food bank early in 2020, preparing food for people who were self-isolating right at the start of the pandemic. And it was to protect them. That was the reason I wore the mask. But what I found was that the action of the mask rubbing against my face as I worked seemed to trigger an outflow of phlegm, which didn't seem hygienic at all. So I stopped wearing the mask, and so did other volunteers at the food bank. We used gloves and hand sanitizers after that, but not masks. In any case, we were working outdoors. It was later on that the mask mandate came in, and from the outset I felt that the real reason behind it was to promote fear, to prolong that feeling of being in an emergency situation long after the number of deaths and actual illnesses had started to fall. Countries whose governments have not mandated masks or imposed lockdowns generally have lower rates of illness and death from COVID than those that have taken these measures. Sweden is the most obvious example to compare with the UK, as it is the closest in terms of climate and culture. Sweden is a country that hasn't mandated masks or lockdowns, But the number of cases and deaths from COVID as a percentage of the population is significantly lower than ours in the UK. Measures such as mask wearing, staying indoors and taking medical treatments should be carried out by choice, not imposed by law. Because if they are imposed by law, they are open to abuse. And this is exactly what is happening. Global corporate firms that stand to make enormous profits are dictating policy to governments around the world. Most of the world's governments have been turned into drug pushers. Take Fiji, for example, an island group in the South Pacific. According to Wikipedia, the Fiji police force announced on the 6th of July that they would be arresting anyone who fails to wear a mask in public within certain containment zones. And two days later, on the 8th of July, the Prime Minister of Fiji announced a no-jab, no-job policy for the private as well as the public sector. Unvaccinated civil servants in Fiji who refuse to have a COVID-19 jab will be sacked. Fiji's population is just over 903,000. There have been 125 deaths attributed to COVID in Fiji, which means that less than 1.4 people out of every 10,000 in Fiji have died with COVID. There have been 19,352 cases of COVID in Fiji, which means that 2.1% of the country's population have tested positive. 
which doesn't mean that they were actually sick, of course. Most of them might have tested positive in a PCR test. So we don't know the numbers who were actually ill with COVID. But it was certainly not more than 2.1% of the Fiji population. This is not to disregard the number of deaths or illnesses. It's good to look after the sick and to try and prevent sickness and death spreading. But the kind of measures that the government of Fiji and others are using, this kind of force or coercion, are not proven to prevent sickness or deaths spreading. And in fact, they may be doing exactly the opposite. Throughout the duration of this pandemic, scientific reports have been warning of the potential risks of aid or VAID, in other words, antibody-dependent enhancement, or vaccine-associated disease enhancement. When research was conducted into coronavirus vaccines in past years, it was found that the animals in scientific trials that had been injected with the vaccines, when they were later exposed to coronaviruses, the effects were much more severe than expected. And sometimes the vaccinated animals died. So instead of protecting the animals from the virus, in the long term, it made the effects of exposure to those viruses even more severe. And it's for this reason that some researchers have been warning for a long time that any COVID vaccination would have to be very extensively tested before being released to the general public. I discussed this in detail in Podcast 7, Series 2, in April of this year, and I'll put the link to that podcast in the show notes. In that podcast... I posted links to articles from the science journal Nature and from the Australian ABC network that warned about these dangers before the COVID-19 vaccines were launched to the public around the world. I'll post those links again in the show notes for this podcast. And in fact, the opposite has occurred. Instead of being extensively tested, as those scientists advised, these vaccines have been rushed out in record time. And people all over the world have been strongly coerced into taking them. The potential risks of aid and VAID are actually outlined in detail in the UK government's MHRA papers for all of the COVID vaccines. That doesn't mean that this is necessarily going to happen, but it is a recognised risk. And with the Southern Hemisphere currently in its winter season, We should be closely monitoring developments there, especially in countries like Fiji, where the vaccine has been mandated with coercion, strong coercion, by governments. I've seen reports of a new wave of COVID deaths in Fiji. So it begs the question, are these deaths connected with the vaccine coercion? Are these the early results of VAID or vaccine-associated disease enhancement? Maybe they are, maybe not. But while there is any possibility of such a risk, and especially when that potential risk is spelled out very clearly in the literature associated with the vaccines, for any authority to coerce people into taking these vaccines, that is, in my opinion, a crime against humanity. This is no exaggeration. It shocks and distresses me that this situation has been allowed to happen.
There are so many uncertainties about the treatment for this disease and about the long-term effects of these vaccines. And yet people all over the world are being coerced to a greater or lesser extent into taking them. In countries like Fiji, they are being coerced under a no-jab, no-job policy. The people who are being coerced in this way may actually be putting themselves more at risk, not just from COVID, but from the serious effects of COVID in order to secure their livelihoods. How can this not be a crime against humanity? How can these governments that are mandating these jabs not be criminally culpable? The UK government is actively coercing young people whose risk of becoming seriously ill or dying from COVID is minuscule to take the vaccine. These young people have their whole lives ahead of them and the long-term effects of the vaccine are not known. The government has mandated NHS COVID passes as a condition of entry to large music venues and nightclubs from the end of September. And who goes to nightclubs and music venues? It's mostly the young. And the government is to offer the vaccine to children aged between 12 and 17 years old who live with someone who is immunosuppressed. In this respect, they are playing on children's feelings of guilt and emotional attachment in order to induce them to take a treatment that could cause them mental and or physical damage in the years to come. How can this not be a, a crime against humanity? Not only were scientific research papers warning of the potential risks of vaccine-associated disease enhancement, or VAID, but the, the UK government's own research from Public Health England seems to bear this out. A technical briefing paper published by Public Health England shows that in the period from 1st of February to 19th July of this year, more double-jabbed people than unvaccinated people died from the Delta variant of COVID. I'll repeat that. More vaccinated people who'd had both of their vaccines died from the Delta variant than people who had had no vaccinations. This is not necessarily due to VAID or vaccine-associated disease enhancement, the numbers of deaths with the Delta variant of COVID were much higher in the over 50s age group. Only 45 people under 50 have been reported as having died within 28 days of a positive test for the Delta variant of COVID between the 1st of February and 19th July this year, compared with 415 people over 50. And within the under 50 group, more deaths occurred within the unvaccinated group. So the results might just be a re reflection of the groups who have received the most vaccinations. However, one thing that these results show as a certainty is that these COVID vaccinations do not protect people from getting COVID or from dying from it. That is pretty clear cut when you look at these results, which, as I say, are the government's own results. And surely the fact that 57% of all the people who died with the Delta version of COVID between the 1st of February and 19th July had been double jabbed should prompt an urgent investigation 
into whether to continue with this vaccination programme. The Public Health England report shows that of the number of people of all age groups who tested positive for the, Del- for the Delta variant between the 1st of February and 19th July, 47% of those people had received both doses of the COVID vaccination. These results certainly would not persuade me to go anywhere near any of these vaccines. I haven't seen any of these results displayed on government propaganda posters. The fact that all of this vaccine propaganda enhances the profits of large pharmaceutical companies and investment vehicles makes it much more abhorrent. When I attended an anti-lockdown protest rallies last year, I carried a banner that said, Stop the Covid protection racket. Sadly, it hasn't been stopped. This is an enormous global protection racket designed to physically and mentally weaken humanity and make people dependent on increasing numbers of pharmaceuticals for life. It's the gift to the wealthy elites that is designed to keep on giving. And in order to entice people into that cycle of dependency, they are using fear. As I said at the start of this podcast, I had a great experience with the NHS last week. But as I was driving to the hospital late that night, I was having paranoid thoughts. I'm in my late 50s and robustly healthy. But when I was on the phone to NHS 24, I was asked whether I was living in a care home. I'm sure it was a tick box question, but it made me wonder if I was being categorised as one of society's dependent types. Later on, I was asked whether I could get myself to the hospital. And when I said I could drive myself, the person on the other end of the phone sounded relieved. No disrespect intended to anyone who doesn't drive. But I feel a growing sense of unease that as I get older, I will be seen as a burden on society. And there are many elderly people who have not fared well in this crisis. In the old days, before the NHS was founded, old people used to commonly dread going into hospital because they thought they would never come out again. I feel that situation is coming back to haunt many of us. As I was driving to the hospital that night, admittedly admittedly feeling more fatigued than normal, probably due to the effects of my immune system reacting to the insect bite. These dark thoughts were going through my mind. I thought, what if they keep me in for observation and give me treatments which have side effects, leading to other treatments, putting me into a downward spiral of sickness and poor health, or worse? Thankfully, these thoughts were completely unfounded. Both of my parents had excellent treatment from the NHS during their last illnesses, especially my father, who died in 2012. And in the event, the staff who treated me could not have been more wonderful. They were polite and friendly. And I was in and out literally in minutes. But within the short time of about a year, I have started to lose trust in the NHS. It's becoming a brand and its logo is frequently attached to adverts that appear to be propaganda of the worst kind. I remember years ago when NHS records in in Scotland were digitised, and my father was very concerned about this. I was surprised, as he tended to be quite conventional in his outlook, 
and quite trustful of authority generally. At the time, I thought that digitising the medical records was a good thing, as it would make them easier to access and protect them from damage. But in retrospect, I think my dad was right. The BBC reported in June that an NHS trust in England is making plans to sell more than one million medical records to a private company, Sensine Health. And I'm going to say more about Sensine Health in a future podcast. Apparently, the NHS Somerset Foundation is one of 11 NHS trusts to have signed deals with the firm Sensine and it says it will not sell any data that could identify a patient. But in some ways, that assurance could be irrelevant. This could unlock a Pandora's box of potential dangers. Different types of medical treatments or different batches of medical treatments could potentially be administered to people in certain age groups or even in certain racial groups. That might sound far-fetched, but if it's a possibility, it could happen. Checks and balances are needed to prevent any potential abuses that could take place from data breaches. But by selling medical data to private companies, such checks and balances are effectively eliminated. It's such practices that are making people like myself sadly start to lose trust in the NHS and in conventional medical practices. If you've enjoyed listening to my podcast, please subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. If you'd like to make a comment, download a transcript or view the show notes, go to imaginingfreedom.co.uk. Thanks for listening.